Let's have a connection to podcast network listeners. Welcome to episode number seven of Behind the Connection. I am JT. This is my podcast where I have a chat with uh, friends and acquaintances and others in this weird, crazy world of wrestling fandom and podcasting, etc., etc. Usually just bring something in. We watch some wrestling. We bullshit, talk things out. History is our fans and other random tangents. And I've had a cavalcade of guests so far. I was really proud of my last episode with my friend Graham Cawthon. And I'm super excited tonight because uh, this is like a reunion show in some ways. And maybe an appetizer in others because with me tonight is my co-host on the temporarily parked Wrestling Warzone podcast. And one of my best friends in the world, Mr. Chad Campbell. Chad, how are you? Hi. Uh, good to be back recording a pod. Uh, exciting. First time, I guess, in what, four, four months for me. So <laughs> that's uh, you start thinking well, about it that way. Unless you count your turn as sting. I definitely do not count that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no, I never count that. <laughs> okay, because that was a shit show. But yeah, it's been a while. Um, we'll talk about that, I think, as we go. Uh, but no, it's really cool. Obviously, we've been talking about getting you on this show for a few weeks now. We had a little fake out uh, a couple weeks ago, but we are locked and loaded here tonight and excited to do it. So as we usually do on the show, as we're talking, we put some wrestling on that we'll not talk about, but it'll be on in the background anyway. <laughs> and uh, we were going back and forth on like what show to put on because you kind of said like you didn't really have anything in mind. Yeah. But what did we decide upon? Uh, so we decided upon WrestleMania 29, which... Uh... Can seem like a weird, uh, a weird show from a quality standpoint, uh, but you know now that it's nine years ago, which is crazy Jeez. to think about. Like it's actually an interesting show for both of us and for, I would say, uh, Place to Be Nation Lexicon as a whole from a nostalgia standpoint. So uh, we're going, we're, we're going to start with the good stuff though. Um, so you want to set us up and then I can get in where I was at when we actually hit play. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, it is a weird one for sure. Like, like you said, quality wise, it's uh, always one that's quite maligned, but I'm wondering if like historically it's going to be one of those ones that climbs a bit as some of the later years that had the more bloated outings um, and more up and down. Cause this is kind of like one of the last before they really exploded into being like super over the top. And I'm wondering, just historically, if it'll end up kind of creeping, not up, but like out of the basement as we go along um, historically. But like you said, it's crazy. It's been nine years. Uh, like in context, when we went to that show, that would have been what? Like WrestleMania 20 would have been nine years before. Yeah, you know I mean, like right. I think yeah. it's spread between 20. these two shows yep. is uh, nuts. But OK, so we're paused at 148.03. And we're going to start with the uh, CM Punk Undertaker match, and then we'll see how far we get. We didn't want to start at the beginning, but there's some reasons for that, too. So uh, we'll go ahead and, and count us in if you want to load up on the Peacock in three, two, go. Okay, so we picked this match. Um, well, obviously, we picked the show because it's the first time we ever met and the first live show we ever went to, wrestling show. And... Um, Obviously, a seminal moment, like you said, in Place to Be Nation and also in our friendship. And for the first, like, what, quarter of the show, you were up in the boondocks? Yeah. So uh, I had, like, ex extreme nosebleeds. Like, I, I, you know, I would say 60 days out, I hadn't purchased a ticket. I think I purchased my ticket and flight and everything, like, 
probably early March, so 30 to 60 days out. So I was in the extreme nosebleeds. And actually what we're seeing right now, Living Colors live section, is when I walked from my previous seat down to where you guys were. So, so it was really this, that far into the show? I thought it was yeah, earlier than that. No, because I, I remember <laughs> right before this is the Swagger Del Rio match. And I'll always remember just like the dismay over when we realized like Swagger was getting the jobber entrance with the with the uh, ATV and, like, <laughs> coming out during the video package. And we were like, oh, yeah, holy shit, he ain't winning. So it's no like, that's, yeah, that's it. Um and- and the Wi-Fi yeah. was like terrible in there, so like oh, I remember yeah. we were like oh. trying to get through because we ended up with obs- obstructed seats, and they moved right. us before we even got to our original seats. And we ended up like in really a great spot. We're right across from where Punk's walking out, like basically right. straight across from the aisle on the other side, in the middle level. But we were up against the wall of that level. So we could. Um, it didn't really matter how many seats we had because we could just kind of stand and like yeah. huddle up yeah. in that spot. So I remember trying to get through and like finally getting to you and be like, dude, just come down here because who cares if you can't sit like we can stand. No one's behind us. Yeah, like in real time, I mean, I guess we're this is like a three minute entrance and yeah, like I was booking it from the extreme. But I mean, I think that just shows like, yeah, like I mean, this was a big weekend had like the WrestleCon and the Ring of Honor show was Mm -hmm. established and whatnot. But it it does feel like we really came a long way, both from the bloat still of of mania now mm-hmm. and of the cost and expense too. <laughs> like when you think right. about it, because I know like I mean my ticket for this show I think was like forty dollars. <laughs> right. Know? Like right. it was uh, a real real buy. You know that and the Ring of Honor. I mean the Hall of Fame. I. I do know was fairly expensive but as far as tickets i mean we attended ring of honor uh this show and the hall of fame and all three tickets i think i paid like 150 all in for the weekend and watched three shows that weekend so right your roh is pretty cheap i think it was like 20 bucks or twenty. yeah bucks or yeah because we were like ga or whatever for that too yeah so it's it's kind of weird because now, you know, like even the cheapest seats for Mania are what, like around $100 or something. So, yeah, well, it's weird now with the two nights. It's actually like it's almost the blow is going. Re- I was against the two night thing, but then we did it last year and the way it's set up this year. I'm actually kind of becoming a fan of it because the the shows are much less bloated. Like last year was much more tolerable. Like it was just like, what, three and a half hours, I think, each night, which is fine. And then the pricing is, like, not bad. I thought it was going to be crazy for, like, Arlington. But it ended up being, like, one change a night, which isn't terrible, like, for that stadium. Like, I think I paid close to that in for 32. You know what I mean? So um, it's really – I think the two-night thing is going to end up balancing it out a little bit more for people where you're not going to have the seven-hour friggin' wank fest that you're also not going to – um, I think the price may come down because they want to sell a lot of the two night deals, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, they got to, but uh, that's pretty good then. I mean, that's still though, like that's, I mean, from a business standpoint, it's smart, I guess from them, but right. it's kind of crazy. Like in nine years, how we came from that to where it is now, you know, like, right. I mean, a nine year span, we went from 
I mean, this show was large in scope, but was, you know, your four-hour show, and so was the next year in uh, New Orleans, and then, you know, in a few years, it went from the real bloated long, like, the next time they were in MetLife for 35, like, that show's so long, and it's crazy yeah, well, because, the, yeah. Yeah, the, I would say the bloated stretch really begins at 32. Right. 32 to 35 is kind of like the bloat era where those shows, I think 33 is a little shorter, but like uh, 33 is actually like shockingly longer, I think, than all of them. Like actually 33 is, I think, longer than 32, which is crazy. It's just a better show. So, yeah, it doesn't feel it didn't feel like it. No. Yeah. So 32, 33, 34, 35 are like to me will be the bloated era and i think it's done now because i think they're going to stick to the two night thing honestly and but um, two nights to me still even though it's split like the shows are digestible it's still i don't know i mean i go back and forth like i mean i guess i'm happy it's two shows versus one but i mean and we can get into it that's kind of maybe where i'm at as a as a modern fan anyway but right you know like i love i liked the shows last year they were real good and real tight like in real time and easy to watch but i have no desire i've had no desire to go back and rewatch them either. right i think that's more about the product of the setup yeah. um for sure because even um yeah, with the two out with the two nights, it's just, yeah, it's just easier to sit through. The crowd is less likely to get burned out. You can make it tighter. Um, I think you know, I, I think the format. And when you think about it, like a lot of on that weekend, you're doing a shitload of wrestling watching anyway. Like if you're going, right. so yeah, it's really just kind of taking the place of like doing takeover, and then it's less hours anyway. Like, like when I went to New Orleans, right, or um, even New York, like you get takeover, which is like three and a half hours, and then mania is like you know seven hours so it's like you're doing 10 hours in two days and now you're kind of just doing whatever like seven hours in two days so it's it's less time overall i mean there is going to be a takeover it looks like for this mania but um it's not i don't think it'll be the same like the old days where it's like a super loaded card it looks like it's gonna be saturday afternoon before night one so i mean well that became a point because for 35 you know it was great that the women main evented or whatever but mm -hmm. By that point in the show, I mean, you were done. So, like, right. the crowd, he had definitely peaked <laughs> two hours before they even come out. So, it's, right. it's, a, it's, a weird, it's a weird thing. It's like, oh, yeah. I mean, you can't, you just can't expect an audience to be up for, you know, six plus hours of a. Yeah, it's show. tough. I, and I lived through that, all of them. I went to pretty much all those. And it was like, yeah, yeah it was, you know, and I'm. I'm pretty chill with that stuff, but it was, it was long uh, for sure. And I really like Lash is one of the one I enjoyed the most because it was just like the shows moved and the energy stayed and like it was rewarded. Like you know Sasha and Bianca closed night one and they still get the main event a WrestleMania night and the crowd was into it and fresh still because it was only an hour you know three and a half or whatever, um, and it just had like a different vibe. I think part of it was like everyone's just excited to be at a live wrestling show, I think after uh, the pandemic yeah. year. So like that was part of it too. It was like a different vibe overall, but um, it was definitely a more enjoyable and laid back experience than the grind of doing like an all day tailgate and then a seven hour show. It, it's, it's just kind of crazy. They went that way because like, if it would have been the year after 29, the show we're watching now, like, I mean, I think we'll see, but I, I definitely 
remember that like crowd heat and investment wise, like the show peaks with this match. Like obviously right. Taker versus Punk's the best match, seem to have the best crowd heat, etc. So this show peaks right here from a, a crowd investment standpoint. So you could have seen like, oh well, in the next year they thought maybe all right, we'll change it up or do whatever. Mm-hmm. But thirty and thirty one are actually two cases where of a four of this four hour show format, like the main event, like thirties, of course, like the incredible culmination of Brian winning. And that came after Taker's streak was lost, which being live for that show, you know, I thought like that that crowd was done after that, just the reaction to that. And then thirty one, I mean, that's the closest the you know, still to this day that the crowds ever went to buy into Roman Reigns till right. Roman's catch in. So it's 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 so weird that like that happened and they saw that and then on thirty two they're like, Okay, let's stretch it out another two hours and have that long main event. But it's <laughs> nice. Yeah, that, the thing with thirty two is it's so fixable, it's ridiculous. <laughs> like there's this little stuff that they just tweak and fix. Like the hell in a cell doesn't need to be a half hour. You know what I mean? Like, do a 10-minute spot fest and you're good. Get out. Do your bump and get out. And then, like, dragging the rock out at the end of the night. Like, you didn't need that. We didn't need a match with him and Rowan. Like, like just none of that was needed. You know what I mean? Like, and then to have Stephanie read a poem at, you know, fucking midnight at the end of a seven-hour show. Yeah. And I mean, th- have them go 20 minutes when everyone just wanted to squash, like... We can go with one less Triple H epic main event yeah, at WrestleMania. It was it was just some bad decisions. I mean, thirty two. I was on a cruise. Uh, I think I boarded. I think it was even that morning. I think it was a Sunday to Sunday. But I remember like being upset because at that time cruise Wi Fi was really like in the nothing. <laughs> yeah nothing um or insanely expensive uh so i was like well i'm gonna be out of commission for like a week on this and then i came back i remember like texting you i was one of the first things like oh well, how was the show you were like eh, we had a fun <laughs> time it was like oh, okay <laughs> you know when you lead with that it's usually what it is but yeah yeah, it was definitely one of those ones where it's like, I mean, and that's one of the benefits of going live to those shows and those weekends with what we built at this show is there's so many, you're seeing so many friends from around the country that you don't get to see and you're hanging out or out partying, you know, it's almost like a dream weekend in a way, right? You just kind of forget the world and just go out, we're out, out late drinking and karaoke and everything else, you know what I mean? And going to a bunch of wrestling shows and NXT and this, so it's like, you're so wrapped up in everything going on that to me the show itself is like ancillary i'm like whatever like as long as it's not all time bad like it doesn't matter you know like i mean we've seen some real bad ones like we saw the pittsburgh you know 2014 rumble which is like an all-time shit show but we still remember that trip fondly right because we had a great time so it's like to me you know unless the trip itself is just the show and it sucks then that sucks right like but if you're building a weekend of memory around it then it's a different reminder right like i think most agree this is a bottom tier mania but for us it's like an all-time weekend yeah sure and that's uh where it began but uh and, and like you said like this crowd definitely peaks here because yeah this is the match with the most heat like rock cena too no one wanted to see and no one wanted to see Tr- triple h brock too <laughs> like that was like they put <laughs> matches after this that just had no interest you know yeah i mean i didn't know going in how much I would like this match either just because 
I didn't, you know, I, I didn't think Punk had a snowball's chance in the hell winning. And um, I'm uh, one of the anti hell in the cell from 28 taker right. guys. So he wasn't doing much for me at this point either with his one once a year appearances. He had a rough go the year before. So. Yeah, because this match kind of, like, does he do much in 12? Does he vanish again for another year until this? Uh, yeah, I don't think he has a match between 28 and 29, unless I'm mistaken. Yeah, so if not, like, this was a big, like, really big match for him to get back on track, for sure. Um, and Punk, you know, I think took a lot of pride in it because he was pissed about not getting the main event title match after having the belt for a year and all that. And I think he definitely took it personal, like to make this stand <laughs> out, right? Like chip on the shoulder type thing. Yeah, he did. He did one random house show in Waco in okay. February. <laughs> he, Damn, so he team, didn't... teamed with Sheamus to beat Damian Sandow and Wade Barrett on a random match. So maybe it was like a replacement or just like a local pop. Yeah, I think a local. I mean, because this was what I, I mean. I I kind of saw the start of that, really, where uh, after WrestleMania 27, um, I mean, he didn't wrestle a match until WrestleMania 28, and then you know he essentially didn't wrestle a match from then until WrestleMania 29, and then uh, he did like those two random uh, Raw Smackdowns in 2013, and then he didn't wrestle another match till WrestleMania 30, and then from WrestleMania 30 to WrestleMania 31, he he didn't wrestle either. So I was at the beginning of like his. From WrestleMania 27 to WrestleMania 31, he has seven matches or whatever altogether. God, it's crazy. In retrospect, it doesn't seem like it was that few. I, I I remember there was like a year or so in there where he had nothing, but it's crazy to think he really would go that long of a gap. And because right. at 15, he picks back up because yeah, yeah, 15 the and all of a sudden, that. yeah. I mean, even like he doesn't have that many. I think he has like less matches at 15 than you think, but. Because in 15, he's on a, uh, he was on the, the uh, Mexico house shows. He did that loop. Uh, but at actual, like, televised matches in 15, he only has one, two, three, four. But because he'd only been doing one a year, it felt like a lot more. I mean, in 15, well, in the he big only matches. Had, yeah. The great it's, matches it's, with Brock in the summer. Yeah, yeah, it's WrestleMania, SummerSlam, Hell in the Cell, and then the Brothers of Destruction 25 or whatever they called it. Yeah. Right. Those two Brock matches are so good that he just it seems like he did more and it was bigger. Yeah. Yeah, I mean like his stuff being so big, it really does spread it out because I mean WrestleMania thirty two after WrestleMania thirty two, he doesn't do anything till the Royal he's in the Royal Rumble in twenty seventeen and then he faces Roman at WrestleMania thirty three and then he wrestles he doesn't wrestle from WrestleMania thirty three until WrestleMania thirty four and whatever that was with Cena. I mean that's three minutes. Right, it's a match. So, yeah. Mm-mm. And so, then the Saudi stuff starts popping up. Yep. Then we get the casket. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a little weird. But yeah. Yeah, God, I would not have guessed he's only had like fifteen matches since like yeah. two thousand eleven. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean it's it's uh it's since WrestleMania twenty seven, he's had twenty six matches. So yeah, that it seems like it'd be a lot. So over a that. decade. That's that's pretty wild. That's been that long of a like his, run. his cage match is interesting. Like his actual hundred match was versus Punk, and that was in 
2009 when they were having their little feud. Right. But that show is like, I mean, that it, it's always interesting looking at that too, because like right now I'm going through 2001, and it's it's it always creeps up on you how sudden that is, because once you start looking at the cage match and stuff like that, it's like where I'm at in 2001 in October, November, it's like, oh, well, like Austin and Rock are on every week and they're in these mm-hmm. long-term feuds. Uh, like, you know, like Rock and, I'm in October, so Rock and Jericho is heating up and you're getting the Rob Van Dam, Austin angle stuff. And it, it just feels like they'll be around for five or six more years. And then you look at cage match and it's like, wow, they only each have, you know, 50 or 60 more matches, like period. Right. Yeah, that's no, the quick drop. That's why 03 is like really like, oh shit, like where did everyone go? Like look yeah. around and like, it's yeah, gone. like it happens. I mean, once Austin takes his ball and goes home, like it, it really happens quick, which is shocking. I mean, yeah, like where I'm at now, like I just watched the two, uh, the go home to no mercy. So yeah, like The Rock has 81 matches, period since then and i mean like he's been on like between 2000 and 2001 he had so much he was doing like he took the little break after 17 but besides that he was such a stalwart just wrestling on tv like tons of matches on tv i think austin has maybe even less than that like he, he he does start tapering down how much he's wrestling like actually on tv uh, because he goes from when he loses at an unforgiven, he doesn't wrestle until he beats ankle for the title on Raw. Right. But he was so banged up, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you can you can kind of tell him physical wise is going down. Oh, they're it, so they're right at a fulcrum point. Austin <clears throat> Austin has eighty three matches left. So yeah, both of them combined one hundred sixty matches or so between both of them, and you would just think like. They would eclipse that in the next year. Right. The way they were going. Um, <clears throat> all right. So let's dial it back to young Chatty. Uh, yeah. When exactly did you hop on this insane, ridiculous train run? Uh, so it's tough to know, like, exactly what it was. I know I was very young. Um, I, I've been listening to some of your shows, like, uh, I... It's an interesting point. I mean, it's it's one of those, like, you really think, like, was it something, like, divine intervention, cosmic, or what? But uh, essentially what happened was, uh, the way it goes is, one day we were in the video store, and instead of the kids section, I just picked a Royal Rumble. And it would have had to have been, I believe, either Royal Rumble 89 or 90. Like, I don't know. So I was born in 86. Uh, August of 86 and I know based on like by Christmas photos and stuff like that and memories my first memory is actually of Hogan versus Earthquake that feud I remember a little bit of that and I know by like Christmas of 90 I got a bunch of wrestling figures based on photos and stuff and the first like uh, bootleg VHS tape of a pay-per-view I have, which we can get into is WrestleMania seven. So I know by then I was completely locked in. Um, but I mean, I still don't know which Royal rumble I actually got, whether it was 89 or 90 in the video store, right. but it was like, like something that just stuck from that. And, um, 
that's that's been interesting because like with my kids now you see like a lot of interest come and go like they'll be even like with wrestling like uh Caden my oldest like he was very hot with wrestling uh, about a year year and a half ago and then like it's just gone now and my youngest had a stretch about six months ago even where he was we were watching the same Royal Rumbles like every morning and even now, like that's kind of waned, and it's something yeah, else. They move quick. Yeah, I, like I remember telling the cowboy that when uh, his Rider, Rider was, yeah, yeah, because he was like he came to the Mania in New York. He was watching everything, the video game. And he's like, oh, this is great. Like, yeah, I'm gonna go every. He'll come to every show, and we're, and we're gonna be super. I'm like, dude, it's not gonna last. <laughs> like I'm telling you, and yeah, he was like, I think less than a year, completely out, and on to the next thing. And I'm like, I mean, yeah, like people like you and i are and some of the others we've had on here like extreme outliers but like you know most are are quick quick hits i I definitely think that was it's just an availability thing which i think is part of it i mean because by that point i didn't have cable so i mean i i remember getting cable in probably like 92 93 ish when i first started watching like nickelodeon and stuff like that so I, I mean, and I wasn't, I think as, you know, when you're that young, my dad had sports on, but I wasn't, yeah. you know, whatever. <laughs> right, you're not really dialed in or. Right, right. Or following. Right. So, I don't know. So, something just clicked and then it kind of went from there. So, it's, it's so, interesting to think about. Yeah, because, like, how quick did it ramp? Like, I mean, were you... So you rented the tape, one of the rumbles by Mania Seven, and you're in. I mean, you're only five, so like. Yeah, I wasn't are even you, five I, by Mania Seven. So yeah, like for four and a half, I was. Uh, I mean, I was in, and I was very in. Um, I mean, there's a couple of like key stories from that. So my first day of kindergarten, which would have been August of '91, I was like always the youngest in my grade. Uh, like the first day of school when I asked what your name was and I said my name was Hulk Hogan <laughs> which which still gets brought up <laughs> like um, uh, actually like our family friend was the teacher assistant in that class and she still brings that up I saw her on Christmas and she brought that up so that's funny I, I still I still get that which is fun um, but uh, we actually uh, the story which is interesting um Somebody at church had a satellite, and uh, I had the uh, black box, which a great, great, uh, great mm-hmm. ethical, great ethical thing that, <laughs> that I was, I was getting my bootleg tapes from someone at church. But hey. um, I mean, I mean, we would go. Uh, we went to church Saturday morning. I mean, Sunday morning, Sunday night, etc. So he would always like have the tape uh, going, and and I know the cool thing. I don't remember it for WrestleMania seven, but I remember by WrestleMania eight because of uh, what it was probably like a four o'clock start time. Right. And, uh, our Sunday night church was from six to seven. And I remember for WrestleMania eight after the service, he was like, well, let me go see if it's over. And he went to his house. He lived like two minutes away and it had ended. And he was able to give me like the VHS tape that night, and that was right. just like, you know, injected into my veins. Like I was just <laughs> so elated 
um, because we didn't have even the, you know, like the little pay-per-view converter box that you had to have to like if yep. you yep. had cable. I don't even know when we got that. Like, like I never ordered a pay-per-view through legal means until I moved to Alabama and that was 1996. So, and I was, yeah, I we was didn't in for all that. We didn't get the converter box till after Rumble 92 because I watched that one scrambled because we couldn't order it. My, we were going to order it, but he, we couldn't. It's just crazy to me to think like you couldn't get the box in time, but we couldn't. So my dad yeah. like, called that day and there were none available. So, um, but then I didn't order one for a while because my cousin would order them. We would go over at his house like for every big pay-per-view. So I don't think I ordered one at home until Survivor Series 93. Um and then consistently until he faded out in like 95. It's like when I started kind of getting them myself. But that WrestleMania 8 stands out for me, too, because it's the first Mania I watched live. Because I got into it right after 6. And then 7 was Palm Sunday. And I remember we had like family over and just wasn't going to happen. <laughs> like it was right. at like a weird time, too. But then 8 was at like 4 o'clock, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's It had to have been a 4 o'clock start just from the... Uh, the the look of the arena and uh, like right. I, I I definitely remember like when church was over he was able to get the VHS tape so that may be yeah, a so, Duncan Andre the Giant situation but <laughs> I do I definitely remember that as a picture no it was definitely it was four o'clock I remember I went to baseball practice and then to my co- went home change and went to my cousins and it, yeah it was it was a four o'clock show like I I remember it very clearly and it was always weird like having a major like you picture today like WrestleMania ends and it's like seven o'clock right, right. <laughs> like it's I guess under your fear on the West Coast it is but but it's you know it's just weird to think um it's just weird to think of that being a thing but yeah that that's one that stands out to me too like I very vividly remember sitting in his living room watching that show where I was sitting coming from baseball like all that it's just one that sticks out but it's always fascinating to me like to talk to like guys like you and aaron and others that started watching so young because you know i was nine when i started getting into it and it's weird to think like four five six like three years more than me and consistently sent that tombstone was nasty um (laughs) that was a great near fall i remember that that was an awesome near fall uh, but yeah, I mean, like I, I was like really locked in. So I mean, this uh, this guy ended up having a heart attack. Actually, passed away in the summer of '93. So like, but from that period, from WrestleMania seven to the last, and I still have like my master VHS tapes from when yep. he get it. Uh, uh, my brother taped over SummerSlam 91, which I'm still bitter about. It's now Rugrats and Hey Arnold. But anyway, uh, from WrestleMania 7 through WrestleMania 9, so it had to have been around King of the Ring-ish 93, like, because I don't have that. I have every, Mm -hmm. like, Master VHS tape, and he would just, he was like clockwork, like, he would give them to me every time. No WCW, which is interesting too i mean that I, th- I think that's something that's interesting to think about because like i was in quote-unquote wcw country and i was i was cognitive of wcw like i yeah remember. i was gonna ask that because i feel like if someone would ask about like if i would do a trivia contest and be like what was chad's first wrestling experience right like i think you just associated more with wcw and i think it's because your podcast entry into this world was you know a wcw based pod 
you're from the South. Like, I think that's what people would associate you with. So I was, I was headed there too. Like, yeah. Like what was it like being there and when did that come into your purview? Yeah. So, <clears throat> I mean, I, I definitely remember, uh, like watching power hour a lot. Um, cause it would come on after Bonanza and the Bonanza <laughs> thing would be stuck in your head. Yep. Um, the the other thing I remember just from watching a lot of stuff was the prime times, like in the studio with Zubaz era Vince. I, I, I watched that some. And then uh, still in like 90 and 91 was the very tail end of the Joe Petticino, uh Atlanta wrestling block. Um, so I remember a little bit of that on Saturday night where like the first – I mean, I think it, like, started out with superstars, if I remember correctly, and was still going, like, six or seven hours with, like, just random lower Mm -hmm. levels and would have, like, pro or whatever uh, from WCW or Worldwide or whatever their number two show was then. Uh, They would run it, and they'd run, like, superstars then in in Atlanta. So, So I remember that as well. But as far as, like, WCW proper... Um, it, it's, it's weird. I, I was actually, it, it was t- until I moved to Kentucky. So I lived in Kentucky, uh, when I was in second and third grade, my dad got transferred up there. So the, the first main like WCW angle and whatever I remember is the Colonel Robert Parker in a chicken suit, uh, versus mm, yeah. Brian Pillman, that, that whole ordeal. And, uh, that would have been early, like 1994. And then um, WCW's video distribution was always, like, terrible, too. So, like, there wasn't many tapes at the the VHS store except for the old school, like, Great American Bashes. Um, But I, uh, you know, of course, like, for some reason, Spring Stampede 94 and Slamboree 94 were very widely distributed. Um, And then Bash at the Beach and Halloween Havoc 2 when Hogan came in. So, so I, I, I jumped on board there. Um, and that, that's kind of that combined with, you know, uh, listening to Graham and people like that, like to, when they say like Brett is their favorite of all time and stuff like that. I, I, it's interesting to me because I mean, I like, I like Brett art and I like Shawn Michaels. Okay. And, you know, I feel like I'm a little neutral on both of those. I'm not as extreme as their biggest defenders or detractors on both ends of the spectrum. But, um, Mm -hmm. that error is really when I started to kind of migrate both to WCW and also kind of took a little dip overall. Like I was still, uh, kind of locked in, and we talked about this a little bit on Warzone. Like I, I was still watching, but certainly not with the same vigor as when I was right. a young kid, like in '94, '95, up to the NWO angle. Um, that I think a combination of that is one definitely getting more interested in other stuff like Power Rangers, mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, sports. Like I was really big into baseball, baseball cards, stuff like that around that time. Um, NBA. So that that certainly helped as well, just as well as the overall product being crappy. And I never had I never had another like wrestling friend in school ever until down the road. So that that's that seems to be too. such a common thread. Like it's nuts to think there's such a vast 
you know, internet now that you can just like find a friend if you didn't have any. But like at the time, it's like you were so limited in who it was. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I went years at a time with one or two wrestling friends to talk to and that was it. So it's like, it, it just seems to be such a common theme through everyone I've talked to in the series. It's like, yeah, just, you know, me and this one guy and like, that was it. Or, you know, me and that's it. It's like, it's it's crazy to think the fandom could could stand, you know? Yeah. When you have like yeah. nobody to talk to it about. I, I I really love that era though. I mean, I'm happy in some ways it's kind of weird. Like the age you grow up in, you kind of think like, Oh, you know, like if I had been 18, you think about like, if I was a kid or, you know, 18 to 22 around like WrestleMania three and I could have traveled to that or something like that had been right. awesome. But I mean, I'm happy like, cause I still have very fond memories of like the video store. I mean, to me, the video store was where, mm-hmm. That was kind of my apex because I, I dabbled in like the magazines. I got a lot, a good bit of the uh, WWF magazines. No, no PWIs when I was that young. Um, right. Because I thought, you know, they're all there's mostly in black and white. So I was a, I was. A yeah, I think to me, like the PWI stuff, like, yeah, like for me, I didn't get into those until I was probably like 13, 14. You yeah. know, like yeah. you need to be a little further along to really like dig into those and understand it's more like a newspaper <laughs> yeah so i uh i mean i remember like uh savage and uh well liz and flares like photo shoot like that was vivid but uh the main thing was the video stores and there were so like in the town i grow up in which is where i still live there was uh it was an interesting discrepancy where you uh we didn't really have uh blockbuster wasn't really i don't think it came in around this time like it came in maybe like 93 94 ish so i'm really thinking like there was a movie gallery which was kind of like our mainstream you know where you think like everywhere video store then we had the mom and pop video store which was called greens video which is where i really hit it up uh mostly um and they had a really cool collection uh, that you had to go down like uh, in a little side area. It was right next to the porn, of course. Always, <laughs> yes, just, yep. uh, just like uh, <laughs> right, right there, both of them. Um, and, but they had this like promotion. I remember where it was like you could get five tapes for five dollars and rent them for five days. Um, so uh, my parents would always get two videos, and then I, me and my brother would each get one apiece, and then we'd alternate who got the second one. And that and that you think about that and you think about like me as an accountant now and that mm-hmm. really shaped a lot of my like mind view because I know it's been <laughs> talked about in some other shows but I mean I rented WrestleMania four so much because it was the double right. and I was yep. like well I get two for one so at least like my one pick will be this four hour whatever extravaganza and then right whatever so I I mean I know my most common rentals were like WrestleMania four. Uh, WrestleMania six, a lot of those, and then the Royal Rumbles as well. Like I, I never rented the Survivor Series, and that's why those shows are now interesting in retrospect. Because like over the course of Place to Be Nation, and just knowing you, like a show like Survivor Series '87 has taken such a you know a rep bump, and that's just a show I didn't watch that much. I was unfamiliar with, and now it's like, oh, this is an incredible show. So uh that that's uh fun to think about but yeah the video stores was where and then you had still had the grocery stores that had the video section too so i would dabble there as well yeah i mean if you had a video if you had a supermarket like for here stop a chop 
had the video area and the magazines was like you actually looked yeah. forward to going grocery shopping with your right, parents right. because like i'd hit the magazines that i'd go to the video store and maybe you'd get lucky like there was a guy that worked at that one that would sometimes would have the, the wrestling actually on like on the tv in the video store and that was always a cool treat when you'd stumble into that um but yeah it's like there's trade-offs right because there's such cool memories and anticipation and excitement but then I think back to like all those nights as a solo fan, you know, and I'm not gonna say a loser, but like what I like, I wasn't doing a lot, right? Like 14, 15, just not like I wasn't like going out a lot and stuff. And, yeah, you know, a lot of nights to yourself, and to think the resources like kids have now would have been freaking mind blowing then, like just any of the shit like at my fingertips to put on instead of watching the same tapes over and over and over and over. And there's yeah. a charm. To- for sure but it's just like again there's pros and cons like that you know we went through what we went through made us appreciate what we have now right versus like growing up into it for sure so you know we went through a time where we had to relive and watch all the stuff and read the same pwi magazines over and over and everything else because like that's literally all we had listen to the same cassette tapes over and over and over because you know you didn't have an endless reservoir of music at your hands so you know there's i think I think that shapes you in a way, but it also like makes you jealous in a way. <laughs> it's like shit. Like this stuff's all really cool now. Yeah, it's an it's an interesting thing to think about because I mean, like the match we just watched, like it's undeniably a great match, um, mm-hmm. and it's one I went to uh, because even like early on, I st- that's always an interesting thing too when you can remember like first time. I don't know if you could recall but like the first time like oh this is a great match like beyond like the storyline too right um i mean i know for me that was like bro and at wrestlemania 10 like i remember when i watched that i was like oh wow this is like this this has got to be a great match right like it's just a right. like i was seeing it from a quality standpoint instead of just like i want the good guy to win um but uh yeah i mean it's, it's just weird to think about because like i mean this match i hadn't watched it punk versus taker and whatever six probably five six years at this point uh and then it's like well think about how many times like i think about (laughs) what's probably the my most watched match and it's probably either the battle royal at wrestlemania 4 yeah or hercules haku at wrestlemania 5 or mark tail coco at wrestlemania 6 like it's got to be probably one of those three just because I'd throw the tape on and then whatever, mm-hmm. either play with my figures or go to sleep or whatever. Um, but you think about like how many times I've watched that and like Coco and Martell, I, I would say is the one that I remember the most uh, because like I can almost do that match like verbatim. Like if we go on the trampoline right now, I can right. almost perform that match <laughs> yeah, because I've seen it so many times. Yeah. So it's it's uh it's crazy to think about that like some you know star and a half two star match like I've at this point I would guess I've seen in triple digits like it's got to be yeah I'll add the opener to Survivor Series '89 for sure to that list um, <laughs> like I've seen that a ton I one of my favorite tapes my cousin gave me as a birthday gift was he had rented um he rented Survivor Series '89 and Rumble '90 and dubbed them for me. And mm. they gave me a tape that just had those two shows. And for some reason, he did it backwards, which I never understood. <laughs> yeah, Roman Lindy was first on the tape. Um, but I really appreciate it. It was like it was like gold as a gift as a kid to get that. And I'm like, yeah. oh, this is amazing. And I just like, 
would watch those so many times, the 90 Rumble and 89 Sorry Series. Like, that tape was awesome. And I've talked about the allure of those shows, like, the color and just the look of it. Like, everything's so bright and stands out and really connects with you. And that was even right before I was a fan, you know? So, like, I don't, like, connect with those live, but because I saw them so many times and because so many of the characters are there still, um, they stick. Speaking of characters, like, what the hell happened to Michelle Beadle? They just showed her here. Like, I feel like she was, like, such a like everywhere for a while and so even associated with dodie and i know she got mad over what did she get pissed about or something remember mm, i can't remember specifically but yeah like she had a such a meteoric rise she went to what nbc right is that where she went after espn i think so she definitely she had she was outspoken i think that burned her on something good you know right or wrong i think from the wrestling point of view something who the fuck? It was someone. They did something with some celebrity, and she was pissed. Remember? Uh, and like, she like called out Triple H, and he never, they never said anything back to her. Uh, and she said, "I'm out." I forget who it was. It was someone like that was. I mean, is like, is Simmons still talking about wrestling? I, I'm so out on Simmons, you know, but I, yeah, me too. I, so. I know his kid was super into it, right? Um, like I've, I've. Uh, <laughs> A new development in the past couple of months is I've become a pretty ingrained in bar stool as, as a stoolie. Oh so, my uh, lord! Yeah. <laughs> so, it's, <laughs> so it's been uh, interesting uh, seeing them reference wrestling every once in a while, but nothing. Oh, like right. that. She had the whole issue with Punk and AJ, right? She was in the middle of that, where there's a rumor that Punk was banging her <laughs> with the oh, yeah, cheating on AJ with her. That. Yeah, and then I'm reading the thing. Oh, it was Mayweather. I thought it was Mayweather, but it wasn't Mania. It was Triple H went to one of his fights or what? Yeah, he like supported him, but Beetle had been like shit on by Mayweather due to the criticism of his past with women and how he treated women. But but then they reconciled after that. They got back together. But that's I mean, I guess at this point, she's not even enough of a needle mover to, you know. I don't even know where she is. Yeah, I mean, is she even doing anything anymore? This is yeah. she, was, she was like their it girl. Like, I mean, she was doing like all those shows on ESPN and everything. It's weird how that happens. I mean, that's another thing. Like ESPN and WWE got to have similar trajectories. Like it seemed right. like, like that whole thing was such a big proponent of your life. Like. I mean, the other day I was just watching like a PTI and it was like, my God, like this, like coming home from school and college, like, you know, like it was appointment television. You had to watch around the horn and then PTI, like that was your five to six hour. And then I'd watch a good bit of the six o'clock sports center. Yeah. You just, you know, it's nothing now because even, I mean, it's, it's so, it's so digestive. It's so uh, fast moving. Like when we're recording this was the day like Sean Payton leaves the Saints. It was like that happened and that was <laughs> right. everybody popped off for ten minutes and it's like and okay on to I the mean, next one. Yeah, if you're if you're not a Saints fan or whatever, it's like that's somebody that had a fifteen plus year tenure with one team right. and stepping down. It's like all right, well that dominated for an hour and now it's well the uh, baseball stuff came up and it's yeah it's funny because I remember that. Like that dominated those shows, 
so like I was super around the horn and PTI. It was like, yeah, senior college was a must. And then when I moved to Connecticut and I was, you know, had so much alone time because of my schedule, like every night I was watching those shows. I was, that was it for, like you said, five o'clock that's on and Balco just dominated those shows. Like, and that was like days and weeks and months at a time would lead off the, all the steroid stuff with bonds and everything else. And it's like, Mm -hmm. now it feels like that would be, like to your point, like a day we'd be moving on. And I just remember like, that was it. That would be like the whole show was like Belco. Like that was it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's crazy to think like what those shows were, but he, it just comes down to it. Like even in the early to mid two thousands, there was still so much less content. Like there were less channels, less 24 hour channels still at that point. Um, it wasn't super easy to get even old wrestling content, unless you were just an avid tape trader or, you know, you had all your tapes, but like, it was still like so far removed from what we have today. Well, yeah, I mean, the social media component is that. And then I don't know when it shifted. And this is not a like the media is evil rant. I mean, there, I think there's portions of that so you can read into it. But I mean, I do think there's been some some shift clearly in the past 15 to 20 years. I mean, in, in, where at some point, like, it felt like, oh, I need to hear these guys' jokes and takes on an issue. Right. Like, on ESPN, you know, like, what, whoever talking head or, you know, like, I want to hear what Tony and Wilbon have to say about this mm-hmm. that happened last night. And now it's like, I, I don't know what happened, but I know, like, my mentality is like, you know, oh, I'm probably randomly watching more college basketball just you know as a dad that's working you know now than they are so right i don't i don't you know who, who cares what they think you know like it, it definitely shifts that way where uh, i would take a lot of what they said is like either the gospel or like vehemently disagree and get fired up and now it's like i mean whatever like there's so much more opinion out there. Like they were limited. There weren't that many doing that at that point. I think that's yeah. why like Mike and the Mad Dog and other sports radio right, was so right. big at that point. Because oh, yeah. that's all that's the only place you'd hear it, you know? It's like now it's like every I mean you can, you know, blink and you can find a tweet a tweet or a website or something, you know, fifteen articles on the same thing. And we're just as guilty of it, right? <laughs> place to be and all that. Like, you know, the fifteenth friggin' time cover and whatever. But it's like it's just just so much more content now than there was then. So yeah, those personalities stood out so much more because they they were the authority on a lot of things and you could get away with, you know, I've said this a lot too, like the fact checking part of it, right? Like you could be more bombastic and run in your mouth. And that's why a lot of the old talk radio guys got, you know, kind of phased out was because they just kind of talked off their cuff and, once you could more easily have the ability to fact check and look shit up and be knowledgeable, it was like, and be voiced about it. Like you may have known in 98 that this guy was an idiot, but where are you going to go tell? Like, who are you going to say? Yeah. On social media, you can attack, right? Like in the first sites that did it were the fire Joe Morgans and the, um, you know, stuff like that, where you'd go on and just, uh, there's other like takedown sites similar to that where, you know, you could go on and just call the stuff out and it started to become more and more picked up on and more people realized others felt the same way. And it was easier to call out these people that just like ran off the top of their mouth, top of their heads. 
You're, I mean, you're seeing that too. I mean, it, it gets to an interesting point. I mean, because you see that in wrestling too, obviously, like with Meltzer or whatever you think of him, like now. Um, it gets to that point too where it felt like, you know, like in 95, 96, like you had to live and die by them observers. And yep. Dave seemed like so plugged in with stuff like that. And then it's we're in such a, you know, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, he's still covering the stuff in the small wrestling bubble as it is. He's still covering the stuff that's like important, quote unquote, or like gets uh, the most eyes. But then you think about like the smaller scale stuff, which in our timeline, in our churn, like when I was on Twitter all the time and then these messages, like some of these like smaller independent shows or like uh, smaller Japanese groups like big Japan or, or DDT, like they would have these shows that had, you know, four or 5,000 people in attendance or dragon gate. Like they would have, you know, thousands in attendance for their bigger shows. And you just hear nothing from Meltzer on that and you're like wow like this is Mm -hmm. you know this is the quote-unquote like voice of wrestling and this feels like a big show and he's just not watching or you know i mean that's where it gets to it's like well if i have time to watch this like what you know like this is his job right so it it can become it's an interesting thing when that happens but i mean to be honest that's kind of where i'm at too right now because uh you know like with the modern product like i'm so checked out and I'm at a little bit of a crossroads as a fan where I was so, I guess, like deep into the the match quality and the analytics, right. quote unquote, side that uh, now I'm at the, you know, I'm not full on jar, Johnny Sorrow yet, where it's just like, let's just watch it to have fun and be enjoyed. But um, I'm certainly getting more to that the older I get. Like this year, since 2016, I've marked every match i've watched in a spreadsheet Mm -hmm. and from 2016 to 2021 i also had another spreadsheet that said like oh these are the matches i watched in a calendar year so i could give you a count like you know in 2019 i watched 2200 matches the whole year or whatever right um and i mean in 2022 i'm still mark marking on my uh individual year spreadsheets the stuff i'm watching I'm not being as diligent. Like, I'm not going to mark Punk versus Undertaker that we just watched because I didn't really give it my full attention. Um, And I'm not doing the total matches I watched in 2022 because, I mean, at the end of the day, like, that to me doesn't matter. Like, that's just, like, you know, bolsting. I mean, who cares? Like, that's a cool tweet sometimes to say like, Hey, look at me. I've watched all these matches, but, but that's more like the math nerd in you and the OCD in you. Right. Then like, yeah. Same. Like, I don't, I don't think it's, it's not necessarily me like saying like, you need to listen to my opinion, but I mean, there is a part of that where it gets to that. Like that is part of my process and why I've tapered down because now that I've watched, I've started watching these decade years, like 2000 and 2001 and this is stuff we've talked about with Aaron too like when he went through the year that was like when you Mm -hmm. do those long-standing projects um you know like him watching every pay-per-view match like that's an extreme undertaking Mm -hmm. and then you put your stuff out there 
and its opinion, of course, and, you know, like, both me and him are logical enough to realize that at the end of the day, but you do, like, quote-unquote, want to say, like, hey, you know, I did the prep work, I did the, quote-unquote, like, grunt work to do all this stuff, to watch all this stuff, so I am, like, a, quote-unquote, expert, you know what I mean? Like, when I did right, my right. 2000 uh, match of the year list and wrestler of the year list, it was, like, Oh, well, you know, I have came to the conclusion that Triple H's 2000 is a great year, but actually I have, like, Chris Benoit as the best wrestler in the WWF in 2000. Like, that was my overall, like, you know, hot take or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you want to kind of, you know, put put that out there or some of your other, like, most juicy takes and see if it sticks. And then when you get resistance from that, it's very easy to get into a, a match of like, well, you know, when was the last time you watched the footage? Because I just, <laughs> right, want, you know, but I mean, at the end of the day, like you have to take a step back and look at it. It's like, what are you doing? Like you're arguing on Twitter with over something that happened 20 years ago that doesn't matter, you know, in a macro so I just sense. leave Twitter, you know. So it's, it's well, I mean, that's what I've done too, essentially. <laughs> like me and you kind of made an exit <laughs> the same way. Like mine was... A combination of being burnt out on that and also personal, but I mean, uh, yeah, like that's been a nice uh, reprieve. You, mm-hmm. Once you leave, you it's it's good to, you know, now I've gotten to myself where I check it once a day for about 10 to 15 minutes and then I'm good. I don't have to have it open all the time or be a vigilante over the latest issue or get in the biggest, you know, that's the nicest part is it's not even knowing what's going on. And like, right. You know, the wrestling Twitter wars and everything else. And who's, who's worked up over what and this and that. And I look, a lot of it was justified, but still like not having to care about it has made my life a lot smoother. And that doesn't even disappear. Card of wrestling. That's like politics, uh, COVID, sport, like, like, you know, all that. Like, it's yeah. The more you yeah. pull from it, it's just the less it is takes over and controls, not controls, but just like eats up mind space in your life. And it's like just nice not being involved in all that wasted breathing back and forth. I mean, the the sports aspect that's been an interesting discovery to me too, because I mean, mm-hmm. I would get very worked up with that now that. You know, I mean, the only championship I'd been able to celebrate in my 35 years was the 95 Braves, and now I've had two in three months. So that's uh, such an interesting difference where, you know, you you had like this such a, you were such a quote unquote like tortured fan base, and you in the same chats, like people, you get annoyed like when you still hear like the same talking points like Atlanta is a bad sports town and stuff like that it's like oh come on you know like you, right. you get very worked up over some of that stuff but now it's like once they win it's like once they get over the hump it's like I mean who cares like what can right, you do you know it's like well we won I think part of it too is just get older and having kids and everything else like I think you just lose a little bit of that but i i feel like i've even tried to take my podcast in that direction right like all the shows i do like we still deep dive and get nerdy and break things down but i feel like there's a lot less like you know you and i had a lot of diverging opinions when we do warzone and it's like we never get upset about it maybe once with the hogan stuff but like you know like generally it's kind of like whatever like you have your opinion i have mine and we're just going to talk about it um and i think that's what started to make social media in the world in general so 
sickening is that like these divergent poles on each side just gets exhausting yelling into the ether at each other and it's like look it just is what it is like you know you're not going to convince someone no matter how hard you bang it over their face about it you know so like i tried to take my podcast stuff in that direction too where it's just like share thoughts and move along right and do it in an interesting way but not do it in a way where you're going to like lose sleep over this argument because i couldn't convince you that this was better than what you think right right sure yeah i mean you eventually you lose that battle you know it is what it is because yeah. even like with the place to be nation stuff, like, I mean, that was where like, oh, okay, like we finally had, I mean, I felt like I finally had a group where I was talking to everybody daily, you know, on these chats about everything beyond wrestling. Like I, you know, like my trajectory was I worked forever and then we had uh, PWO, I kind of became friendly with Charles at PWO and that kind of helped me to kind of quote unquote, like he made me a moderator there. And that, I mean, that's how I think uh, where the big boys play started. Like that was just a a random DM from Favre. Never talked to him before until he asked me to host a podcast with him. (laughs) So that was uh, just a, you know, a random thing that happened. Um, But even like with the place to be nation stuff, you think about like we were talking all the time and that was in the rise of new Japan Mm-hmm. Um, and, but, you know, like I was deeply ingrained in that and I was of the core guys around that time, uh, me and Steve Willie, I felt like us two were kind of on an island of, you know, the core PTB guys that was watching it fairly diligently. And I mean, I remember like venting to him and being like, man, like this is some of the like greatest wrestling of all time. And I just can't believe like, you know, like nobody will watch it or whatever. Like what's, what's the problem? But I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. I mean, even think about like what's coming on, like how big ring of honor was to us in that stretch too. And I know part of it was that we were so tied in with Kevin, but yeah. like, I mean, that was like, we were on the verge of being like a ring of honor podcast network, you know what I mean? For a while there, right. it's like, and it's just crazy to think how this stuff just really ebbs and flows and comes and goes. And yeah. and that was, yeah, I mean, that was like their last ditch. I mean, like you can definitely make an argument in 2015 that Ring of Honor is like the in-ring quality wise is the best promotion on our, like it's either that or New Japan more than likely. So, so with all this, one thing we didn't get into is like, what was your first live wrestling experience? Like, was it a uh, while? Was it pretty early? Yeah, early. It was a house show in 91. Uh, Hogan versus Slaughter um, was the main match. I have some... I don't really remember that. Uh, I have some pictures. Um, I never went to, like, an actual taping. Uh, we're coming up on it on Warzone, so I'll save it for that. But that's the first, like, TV event I went to was in 96. Okay. And then oh. first pay-per-view is Armageddon 2000, which was in Birmingham. Such a random show to have yep. attended. Yep. I don't know, well, I don't know if I even think, know you went to that. Yeah, well, you got to think with Atlanta, it's a weird... I mean, so I lived in Heflin, Alabama at that time, which is right in between. It's like an hour and 15 minutes from Birmingham. It's an hour and 15 minutes from Atlanta. Um, but in... When I lived there, like Starcade '92 and uh, Slamboree '93 were both in the Omni, 
But then Atlanta did not host a pay-per-view until Royal Rumble 2002 for either either company. So that's uh, that stretch. Like all you had was the Birmingham Armageddon 2000. Like that was the only pay-per-view within what two and a half three hours of me in that entire that's so crazy. stretch. Yeah. It's crazy. Again, like such a random show to have attended. Right. Um, yeah, the end is near. But the uh, I'm I'm barely watching this match. Probably for the best. Uh, I feel like yeah, it's not no. as bad if you're half watching it. But <laughs> Sean, uh, Sean drama. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow not even close to his worst pay per view outfit of all time. Ugh. Um. Yeah. So you were so you go to live show. So you kind of dipped out. In the early 90s, you get back in, NWO drink, brings you back in. Then you kind of have like another dip, right, in the 2000s? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say there's a few dips that you can point to, and then there's something that you can always pinpoint on why I got back in. So the first one was just like the 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 big two were sucking, and then the, the product got hot, like between the NWO and then all of a sudden at school, that's where more people were watching. Um, so then it became an event. So that was interesting. And, you know, I, uh, it's, it's kind of sad. Like the biggest other wrestling fan that I knew at this time, his name was Brandon Smith. We called him Smitty. And um, I remember it was like, because uh, in Alabama, uh, we only had elementary school and high school. So you went to high school in seventh grade, which is crazy to think about. But Jeez. I remember first day of seventh grade, he came from one of the smaller schools in the county into, you know, there was only one county high school. So he, he first day of school, he came in, he was wearing like a NWO shirt. And he had on these like rose tinted glasses. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this guy's going to be a character. And I knew that. <laughs> and so like me and him just like popped off and we were like, like a lot of my friends were very tangentially in, but you know, I was still like the wrestling guy and now right. it was me and him. And I remember like, you know, during PE and stuff like that, we had this old school WWF trivia game, which was in like a tin box. Uh, came out like maybe circa 1997 or so and me and him would just like have these competitions where we'd run mm-hmm. through that trivia and do that um so that was fun he actually i have lost kind of contact with him over the years he uh kind of i guess like a drifter <laughs> type of personality and he uh, actually uh sadly passed away last year no, that's um, <clears throat> with a with an overdose. So that that was just that was interesting to see because that, like I said, he was like my first like hardcore other wrestling fan. And by the time I moved from um, Heflin in 2000, like he was already on the decline too, though too. Right. Like, but he he's the first one that like introduced me to ECW. Like he got the he had the blow. Box. So he was taping the ECW pay-per-views too. So I started watching those around like Heat Wave '98. Um, so that that was cool. Um, and it was just like we had a, a Nitro party that we've submitted that I can talk about a lot of this in the Wrestling Warzone. But so so that was the first thing that really drew me back was just like okay the product got hot domestically and whatnot. And then when I moved back to Carrollton, um, 
in the early 2000s. And I, I, who'd you talk about this with? But you talked about like how 2000 really felt like a mainstream year mm-hmm. even more. Yeah. And that, I and think that it's was, the most mainstream year. Yeah. yeah, that was true for me too. Cause like when I moved back, I, you know, you didn't know what to expect. I was in eighth grade. It was a little weird time to be moved. And I moved mid year. <clears throat> um, and uh, it, it was refreshing that we had, I had some friends and we would do the calls. Like that was the first time I was able to stay up later then. And that was the first time like we did the calls uh, through the night where like when Raw was on, we talked for two hours while Raw was right. on and just like chatted and stuff. So that was cool. But by 2001, they were also checking out um, just, just because like it was getting more fleeting. Um, and that's when, you know, I was getting deeper into the internet and found tape trading and dabbled and was able to get a tape from Japan. So that really helped me in like 2001, 2002, 2003 was discovering wrestling beyond the big two that, that saved me in a lot of ways because once WCW died, I just was not very interested. I was very turned off by the invasion um, and I was full in by that point on the indies because uh, I'd gotten the West Side compilation comps that had all this stuff with Loki and American Dragon and whatnot. Um, and uh, then I was also watching Japanese footage. Uh, so that that propelled me. And then I think a lot of, like a lot once you went into college and stuff like that, like, I mean, I started college in 2004, 2005, like nobody was watching wrestling then, like in the dorm or whatever. So I had to be pretty closeted uh, as far, you know, I was starting to date, met my future wife and whatnot. So that that also took a little dip. Um around the Benoit stuff, but I, I still was, you know, fairly ingrained in it. But then I would say like, once I started again, not being such a lurker and started posting more and started participating in the, uh, like, uh, death Valley driver eighties, uh, watching sets. And then, uh, eventually started the podcast, met you. That's where it really like vamped up again. Um, and that really helped like caring about the modern product more when we first started talking more and whatnot, um, where I was ingrained from really 2013 through 2017, 18, whatever. Uh, but then once that waned, it was like, okay, we're finding these stretch projects and whatnot to find. Um, so, so now, I mean, you know, in the past four or five months, just going through all this stuff, I, that's the least amount of wrestling I've watched in, mm, I don't know, like, I mean, it's been one of my lowest times right? Um, where I've had days where I just haven't watched anything. Um, and it's starting to come back, but I still have not felt that spark again. So that's that's why I would say I'm at a little bit of a crossroads where I'm interested to see if I can get that 
spark back like I felt like, oh, when I first started doing a podcast or when I first started watching Japanese wrestling or when right. even in 2016, when I first again, like after that cruise, I started really paying attention to like the indie stuff again that was going on then and got really into that. And that like sparked me again. So um, I'm, I'm interested to see when that comes back and if that comes back. I mean, honestly. Um, but you know, like today I watched, uh, Andre the Giant versus Stan Hansen from 1981, um, which is like a very like nerdy historic match finished second on the DVD VR project for the, uh, New Japan in the eighties. And it's a match I'd always like loved, loved, loved. And it was enjoyable when I watched it today. But again, like when I went to my spreadsheet and like wanted to put a rating on it. Like it was something I would say would have been like five stars or very close before. And I mean, just like when it, when it happened today, I was like, well, you know, this was exciting, but I'm still a little numb. Um, and that's, I don't know whether that's unfortunate or whatever, but that's just a reality right now. So that's, that's, uh, that's, that's interesting for me. Like it was, it was interesting that, you know, I felt, I still felt a little numb with something like that. And I keep hoping something will spark or whatever, but it's just not where it's at right now. So seems like a lot of times that kind of comes out of nowhere. Um, yeah. Maybe the most random possible thing will kind of get you well, back in the mood it's, or it's, it's not going to be this triple H brought Lesnar. So had you discovered PTB at all before Parv reached out to you? Or yeah. Like, uh, well, no, not when Parv actually reached out to me. Uh, in 2012, we did a biggest loser uh, weight loss competition at work. So I was going to the mm-hmm. gym. And um, first time I ever heard about Death Valley, uh, PTB was on a Death Valley driver uh, for uh, just a thread. That was talking about uh, like what wrestling podcast do you listen to? I should actually see who mentioned you and whether I recognize the username or if it's somebody we deal with now um, mm-hmm. or have in the past. Because I remember they were just like, um, you know, these guys are doing all the WWF pay-per-views chronologically. And this was this would have been this, it was right around. Uh, WrestleMania 12 was the first one I listened to because that had just right. dropped. So like April 2012-ish or so. Hmm. And then yeah, we no, started... We <clears throat> yeah, good. Well, we started where the big boys play July of 2012. Right. And then you reached out, uh, Par reached out year-end because the episode we did was... Um, Starcade 88, yeah. And we recorded it like December 27th, I think, or something like that. Yeah. Right. I remember being at the end of the year, Scott was here. We did it in person. Yep. Yep. And then I guess we just started talking after that, right? Yeah. So, I mean, well, it's interesting with that, too. That's another one of those, like, freak things, too. So I listened to that just a quick, like, I remember, like, hearing both of y'all's last names and the uh the the kind of it, it felt very northeastern i'll just say that <laughs> like right, right here it's like here like scott criscolo just through those like god what are these last names like and they were just random like these two you know guido guys <laughs> discussing wrestling but um <clears throat> but uh yeah at the year end uh harvard wanted you on um but that's one of those weird things too like i mean you know, when you have guests on your podcast, like some you chat and 
I mean, I'm, I'm, you don't have bad experiences, but it's just that's what it is. Like sometimes they're on, they do the show, and then it's like, okay, nice, nice seeing you. It's no like ill will. It's just you don't talk to them, or you know, it's like thank you for the guest spot, and then you go about your day. Um, I wonder though, because you know, like with our show, your daughter was uh, like we were running long, mm-hmm. and you ducked out. <clears throat> um, I think like Megan was like, you need to get your ass up here and handle, the, yeah, handle this. I had to like drive her around. She was like melting right, down. Right, right. So you you did that, and that was why you messaged me because like we were doing like the end of show awards or stuff, and you just like dropped off, and you right. wanted to just like give a clip of like, oh, here's my like match of the night MVP, etc. Billy Graham. And uh, so that was how it started, where you messaged me and said, like, hey, I sent this to Parv, et cetera, et cetera. And then we just, I mean, uh, we just, like, started talking, and it kind of it blossomed pretty good from there. Like, I still remember that time and uh, when we were talking a lot, and, like, you know, like, Jennifer and Jennifer's sister. It was around her birthday. Her birthday's, uh, Jennifer's sister's birthday is February 9th, and I remember, like, uh, then you know me and you were chatting we were at the cheesecake factory and we were chatting a lot and like they were like oh this is chad's like man crush or whatever you know like we were because we were talking by that point like all the time so it was, it's it's interesting how that develops but you know it's cool and then we shared a room together and that was it yeah i mean so i mean to come full circle like as we're wrapping up this match i mean i, I think that weekend's really where it was like Okay, like, I mean, like, we, we were talking a lot, and it was like, it took our relationship to the next level, because, I mean, we <laughs> spent shared, a weekend in New York. Yeah, yeah spent a weekend in, uh, what was it, Hackensack, or wherever we <laughs> was at, but, I mean, that was such a memorable weekend, and we got along, and, you know, we still talk about crap that happened that weekend to this day and it makes me chuckle some of the stuff it really felt like kind of one of those like hangover weekends you know that Mm -hmm. have all these moments that you can pick out that are just oh god the rest is history i guess (laughs) that's it all right favorite match of all time chad uh favorite match is tough to say because there's like what i think like match quality wise um, but I'll tie in probably favorite match with maybe my favorite live moment, and that was seeing Goldberg win the title. Like, mm. we'll we'll get to it maybe eventually, but mm. I mean that was such a uh, that was just so awesome to be in the dome when that happened right. and to feel it shaking, and I was forced for like three or four days afterwards and. Wore my Goldberg shirt for three or four days afterwards. It was, uh, it, it really, I mean, at that point, I was still like a WCW guy too. So it was like, oh, finally, you know, like they've kind of, they were getting punched in the mouth a little bit. And it was like, hey, they responded. And you, you had so much like hope, uh, too around that because they did that. And, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But for, for that week, it was awesome. What's the best match you've seen live? Oh, that's so tough. Um, I don't know. I don't think I've ever seen what I would consider a five-star match live. Um, 
It's difficult. That's really difficult. Is I, Punk going to take her? It? No, I don't see. I actually think I'm maybe a little bit lower on that match mm. than most. I mean, I think I, like I'm four and a quarter or so on that. Um, I'll say about Brian and Bray, but were you were you on that? Floor? Yeah, I mean around the same. I mean, like I would say Brian Triple H from WrestleMania mm. 30s in the discussion. Uh, actually, the Scenic City Invitational 2016 final. Mm-hmm. Uh, was in the discussion um, that has like Jimmy Ray, Chris Hero, uh, Gunnar Miller, who's boy, that's a flash, uh, flash from the past now. Um, so that that's uh, that that's in the discussion. Uh, Hell in the Cell 2000 from Armageddon. I mean, I love that match. Like that match is incredible too. How about Triple H Taker at 27? You're big on that, right? Yeah, but that's still, like, four and a quarter. Like, I've seen a lot of what I would say is, like, you know, live-wise, I've seen a lot of kind of great matches, but never like that, oh, this is a match of the year, or, uh, I, I mean, that's just, I've, I've never, never had that. But I don't think it, I'm, I mean, I honestly don't think I'm, like, the best gauge of that live, either. Like, right. I, I kind of have a little bit of a weird feeling with live wrestling, or live events overall. Because I, I don't feel like I can like contextualize how good it actually is in the moment. Uh, example that from this weekend, just real quick, is like Steen versus Briscoe from the Ring mm-hmm. of Honor show we went to. I mean, that was cool that like Briscoe won the belt, but I didn't remember that match like being anything special at all. And then I rewatched it a couple of years ago, and I was like, well, wow, like this is a great match too. On top right. of it, like I mean, it's a four star match, and I never felt that sitting there with dr g and scott watching it so so, so yeah I, I don't know so i, I right now going to head i'll probably just say like brian versus triple h from wrestlemania 30 all right i'm gonna give you the full chat showcase now if you're listening because this is going to showcase his memory and also uh how he feels about me because he knows everything what's the greatest match i've ever seen live i don't know I wouldn't know that actually. I mean, greatest is well. I mean, so you not think, my like, favorite. Your, What's the best match? Your like, favorite I was in for right. Oh, that would uh, I would guess that would have to be Gargano versus Andrade. Probably right. Yeah. Or that Ring of Honor Philly <laughs> six <match. laughs> The six with Seedle. Yeah. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> what about the twenty main event? Uh, maybe. I mean, I would say if you had to say like, what's your favorite match you've seen live? I would say it's when Foley won the bell. But yeah, yeah, that's number one. For right, sure. right, right. Yeah, I'd say best match is probably Gargano, Andrade. Yeah. Um, the fifteen three way is excellent too. Brock, Cena, Rollins. But I also saw AJ and Cena at SummerSlam sixteen live, which is often forgotten. Yeah. Um. It's kind of interesting that, like, so you were there for summer. I mean, you talked about it. You were there for SummerSlam 2015, but missed, like, Sasha versus yep. the TakeOver. And then, <laughs> right. And then you went to WrestleMania 32, but didn't go to that TakeOver. So you yep. didn't see Nakamura, Zane. Uh, and then then New Orleans, right? You didn't watch. Uh, were you there? You were there. Yeah, for I was. So, now, so that might be it. Too. That's up there too. The first Ciampa. Yeah. And then um, I know it's divisive, but Cole Gargano in New York, right? That was that on. Yeah, yeah. That's the divisive. I mean, I would say. Well, I would say. I mean, I I, I think I would definitely say like. 
Andrade Gargano, just as a match quality standpoint, that's better than any match I've seen like live. But, right. I mean, I haven't went to I went to like a local indie show last year, and that was the only. I mean, you know, I I don't I haven't been to a lot of live shows. You know, like I'm not chasing that. So it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've definitely piled up more lately. Going to like a bunch of the takeovers and stuff like that, but um, who's your I mean, favorite? There for, yeah. for, I mean, for a while, like it was like I went to, I only went to pay per view, so I did like Royal Rumble 2002, I did Armageddon 2004, and then uh, uh, Backlash 2007, and then you know, like that was it. So I I was only going to three or four shows because Ring of Honor wasn't running south right. either. So that was that. So weird seeing Trump uh, all fame class just like before everything, just years before. I mean, right. I guess he would have announced probably not that long after this, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Crazy. Oh yeah. Are yeah. uh, right, favorite wrestler of all time? Uh, favorite of all time is a little conflicting. That's part of it. Like, why am I still a fan? Because my favorites originally was Hulk Hogan. Uh, then when I started becoming like a work rate guy, it's Kristen Law, so I haven't mm. always picked the best ones. <laughs> Tough track even, record. E- even in like Japanese, it's Masawa, so it's like, well, you know, he basically killed himself because he kept pushing the limit. Um, I, I guess I would say Hulk Hogan, though. Like, that was the person that I was most, you know, I was the biggest fan of him as a kid, so it's right. stuck. Favorite place to be podcast episode? Hmm. Oh, that's difficult. Um, one I return to more than most, which is like a rent. There's a couple I have very fond memories of. One is the 2012 wrap up, mm-hmm. uh, which is just a random one but i always remember like i was cleaning and that was right when we first started talking too um i remember like i was cleaning up my christmas decorations taking down the tree listening to that and then i went and got pizza hut uh as i listened to that it's just like a day i you know i don't know why but i remember like where i was when i was listening to that one but uh, one I return to a lot is uh, a very early episode. It's the list of mania from Survivor Series, mm. and when you list off, like I can't remember how many <laughs> there is, but every single Survivor Series team rank every it. team. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I love that. So I, I still remember so. where I was sitting in my old house recording that. Like I remember exactly <laughs> going through that list. That that's one of those where like every once in a while I'll just like throw on and. It's uh, it's fun to listen to. Like when I was when I was going in the office for work, I liked I liked listening to those primitive years ones because it was you know like you can get nostalgic and they were raw and whatnot. But uh, had a lot of like subway sandwiches listening to some of those old <laughs> listomanias and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's quite the archive. Um, yeah. All right, when's Wrestling Warzone coming back? Uh, I would say soon. So. Okay. Right. Yeah. Little hope for the fans out there. Been asking. Yeah, I would. So. I would say within the next month. All right. That's, ah, that's all right. That's 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 to me. Favorite. I'm excited. All yeah, right. I looked. I, uh, behind the curtain, I looked at your podcast schedule and I saw that you had a couple of TBD dates, so we all might right, could right. pencil something in. 
I always, I always keep something open for you there. So yeah, I'm also like six shows ahead, so I'm prepped. <laughs> Whatever we could do it tonight. Yeah, that that, that <laughs> might be a, that might be a little shaky. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, this was a lot of fun. Um, I had a great time. We could probably go another two hours, I'm sure. Yeah. I don't think we've touched, touched the surface of a lot of the stuff. We did no. get up to Cena Rock, which I'm going to use to fall asleep, I think. Uh, <laughs> but uh, look, I've really enjoyed doing this show. I've enjoyed doing it with you. I enjoy everything in North South Connection. And, you know, this show's dropping at the beginning of February, Chad, and, and meaning we're just about on our third anniversary um, coming up, or our third birthday, I should say of launching North South connection. It's crazy to think like, because so much of this feed has been created during the pandemic. It's crazy to think we started it before it, <laughs> but it was right. like, you know, it was like not by much. It was just a couple of weeks really right yeah. before it exploded, but um, it was born before that occurred. And then, brought into hyperdrive because we were so locked down nothing to do for a while i think actually helped us um with the with growing the network early on as far as the amount of shows we were able to crank out and consistency but um i'm super proud of it obviously like you know all the work that you know you've put in even not on air lately but even just behind the scenes helping steward the ship and obviously aaron all the audio he's churned out consistently whether it was the year that was or doing no holds barred in the rumble with me and finding new talent, which he's you know been great at bringing new voices on. Uh, and then a lot of behind the scenes stuff with Jenny Smith, who puts a ton of time in not only to her own network, but also to this. And, um, you know, shout out to Tim Taylor as well. And Marcus Fuller, who over the last couple of months have really come on board, and, mm-hmm. you know, helped with kind of just thinking things through new shows and, and growing the, the network so just like a big shout out on our third birthday but any, any kind of thoughts or things you want to mention no yeah i mean like it's been uh, a cool endeavor for sure and I, i've enjoyed even like with the last few months what's been going on like seeing uh people like you know step up and you know like we are obviously like just from what you're able to see, like Wrestling War Zone's been away, but we've still maintained pumping out content. And I, I'm really happy that we've discovered like some new voices and also, um, I would say, like harnessed or matured some somebody like Jacob Williams, you know, like he was doing some podcasts, but him taking the reins of like the ruthlessly aggressive has been very fun seeing him in mm-hmm. the host role and him coordinating guests and then. Uh, just from the other stuff, like somebody like Ryan Gray, I mean, never interacted with him <laughs> till about a month ago. And now we've been, you know, DMing back and forth and I gave him a link to my spreadsheets and he shared his spreadsheets. So I've been, we've been looking at each other's like nerdy list with his project of the TV match and stuff like that. So, I mean, that's that's fun, too, to like develop those new relationships and to. To give them opportunity, because I mean, like I, like I mentioned before, like that was kind of how it was. Like I worked on these message boards for years and years, and felt like I was still just kind of like a faceless entity, a lot of times, and you know, wasn't brave enough or wasn't noticed, you know. So I always like seeing that people, you know, are kind of coming out of their shell, doing content, mm-hmm. doing stuff they enjoy, and then wanting to put a shine on that. So I I, I greatly enjoy that aspect of it. Yeah, no, me too. And and hopefully, you know, if you're out there listening and, and checking this out, you've subscribed. And if not, 
do it. And if you are, share it and uh, spread the word to a friend or give us a rating or a review on any podcast or app. Uh, would be greatly appreciated for sure as we continue to tick into our third year. We've got some cool stuff going on. We've got the Cronoso Project, doing a lot of uh, GWWE five-year look-back content, which has really been fun. Yeah. Uh, or, is, uh, or I should say coming up is you know going to be a lot of fun and just you know some cool stuff. And I, I'm, I like that all of our stuff is evergreen. You kind of dip in and out with stuff, back to it, let it pile up. That's the way now, so... Anyway, Chad, I know that you know, this is something I hope I think people will be looking forward to. I've been missed on the air as we've been going through some stuff, but I'm excited to uh, have you back because I get asked about you more than anything. <laughs> Where it, it were two, The two questions I'd say the most oh, since the fall were like, when's Warzone coming back? How's Chad doing? And when's year that was coming back? How's Aaron doing? Yeah. Nothing about me or what I'm doing, but it's always about those two things. So uh, your beloved uh, North-South connection podcast figure for sure so uh, yeah i'm i'm very thankful for the dms that i've gotten i mean you know nothing health related just you know personal stuff life changes stuff like that but you know i'll say like i think we're on the on the back nine of that situation and uh you know like to get mushy but you know i've had a couple of you know, like like you said, this is a wrestling and stuff like that. But through, through the situation I've been going through, I've really had to confide and and lean on a couple of uh, about three or four like in real life friends, quote unquote. And Justin's been one of those for me. Like he has been a complete rock for me, and uh, I'm greatly appreciated. Appreciated of that. Up. Went extra behind the connection here tonight, and uh, exactly. happy to have you back. And we're gonna sink that putt like Swafford <laughs> and wrap wrap things up uh, with a big win. So, uh, but no, I love you, buddy. Uh, I was uh, pumped to get you on here when you reached out to, to lock the date in. And um, yeah, so we'll continue trucking on the feed. We'll continue trucking on the show. Remember to stay connected, and we'll talk to you soon. Everyone, take care. The cult of personality The cult of personality